You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis is here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Monday afternoon. Recapping week three, which comes to a conclusion tonight. Bears and Redskins, yes, not the most exciting game, but hey, you can wager on the game. You have your fantasy outcome still yet to be decided, so... There is a reason to watch. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis, on the gram at Aaron88. Check out all my work at fulltimefantasy.com. Uh, my waiver wire article will be posted tomorrow on Sports Illustrated. That's si.com slash fantasy to help you get a start. Obviously, a lot of waiver wires run Tuesday night, but a lot run on Wednesday, including the Fantasy Football World Championship at 10 p.m on Wednesday and hopefully we get some more updates on these injuries because obviously it can lead to a lot of uh, changes in the roles of certain players so um, you can head on over to full time now we got our uh, fantasy baseball waiver wire report close at depth chart and bullpen updates uh, as well as the week three prescription notes from Dr. Roto Uh, and if you have any specific questions on the message boards and forms you can ask them there so make sure you check it out of course DFS we have covered as well There's an optimizer, obviously, if you're playing the showdown slate tonight, uh, you can do that, obviously, for the one game. And uh, articles written up as well. So tons and tons of content there that you can check out now uh, to help you win some money. Uh, Let's take a look at some of the top storylines in football right now, and then we'll recap a lot of the games from yesterday, what it means for a fantasy perspective going forward as there's a lot of players that are concerning for many people right now, so we'll try and address those concerns and figure out if they're valid or not. Uh, but we do know this. Uh, Cam Newton has already been ruled out for week four. He will not play this week against the Texans, so the Panthers make that decision early as uh, they are saying Newton is day-to-day at this point, and they do hope that he can resume practicing. But at this time, it seems like rest and rehab is what they need and that they want him 100%. So we don't know when Cam will be back yet. Obviously, Kyle Allen stepped in and was very good. Um, And he has a decent matchup this week because the Texans have already allowed two 300-yard passing games this year. So uh, Cam Newton owners, obviously, you're holding on to him at this point, unless you're in a real shallow league. I I actually thought I would have Cam Newton in more leagues this year. I probably have him in some best ball leagues, but as far as redraft, I only have him in one. Fortunately, I did pair him with Dak Prescott in that league, so obviously I can play Dak Prescott for now, but I'm still holding on to Cam Newton in those leagues uh, for now. As we mentioned at the end of last hour, it looks like Julian Edelman is fine. He had a chest injury, left the game early yesterday. Sounds like it's nothing serious, and uh, they don't expect him to miss time or much at all obviously the Patriots play the Bills this week in a pair of three and O teams uh who would have thought that right uh but the Bills nice schedule to start and they take advantage of it so uh we'll see if they could hang with the Patriots this week who have yet to allow a defensive touchdown the Patriots did give up 14 points yesterday but it came on a pick six and a fumble uh in the end zone so Patriots defense still has not allowed a touchdown this year. And that's the one thing with the defensive scoring. You know, the points allowed to me should be 
on the defense. And I don't think most sites do it like that. You know, they'll see points allowed and the Patriots gave up 14. I don't think that's right because that did not come against the defense. So I don't know if anybody plays in leagues like that out there where they do adjust for that. But I, there's something that I would like to see going forward because, you know, to me, Patriots defense didn't give up any points and uh, it wasn't against the defense. And I think it should be scored that way, but I'm pretty sure almost no one does that. Uh, Sam Darnold looks like he could be back in week five. The Jets have a bye this week, and they think that he's healthy enough to start doing cardio. So the Jets play the Eagles in week five. Uh, And obviously, you need to see this for the Jets' skill players. Because right now, you can't play anyone on the Jets. I'm I'm pretty sure people only played Le'Veon Bell this week. And I understand that because the volume was there. You knew the likelihood of a touchdown was slim. But you couldn't play Crowder or Robbie Anderson. I have Anderson in one league. He was on my bench. Uh, I don't have Crowder in any redraft. I do have him in a couple best balls. But you couldn't play anyone on the Jets this week. So... With Darnold coming back, that'll certainly help the offense for sure. It'll be a boost for Crowder because we did see that rapport between Darnold and Crowder in week one. It'll help Robbie Anderson, who has definitely had some tough matchups to begin the year as he's going to get the top cover corners. And then let's not forget, Chris Herndon will be back from his suspension in week six. It's a four-game suspension, so he served the first three. By in week four, He'll serve the fourth game of week five and then be back. So he is a guy that I have stashed in a couple leagues. I mean, tight end is just such a thin position uh, that I'm willing to hold on to Herndon because I think he will play a pretty big role in this offense going forward. So, yes, it looks bleak for the Jets right now, but I think it should be better. Of course, the big injury from yesterday is Saquon Barkley. He's going to miss four to eight weeks with a high ankle sprain. So he had an MRI. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, you know a long frame. Of, of games missed for him, but it's a huge, huge loss for fantasy owners. Uh, so right now, the Giants only have two running backs on the roster, Wayne Goldman and Elijah Penny. I'm sure they're going to bring someone in, whether they bring back Rod Smith, C.J. Anderson, as we talked about in the first hour. But obviously, Goldman's going to be a big waiver wire pickup. But, you know, he's not Saquon Barkley. Obviously, the offense took a step in the right direction with Daniel Jones at quarterback making his first start. But, you know, it's not going to be uh even close and look it's very difficult if you lost Saquon Barkley you know you took him in the, as the first second or third pick off the board and I'm sure a lot of people didn't cuff him with Wayne Gallman and I don't blame you especially if you're in a 16 round draft you know a lot of people who support handcuffs will say oh see this is what I mean but you know Barkley last year didn't need a handcuff so if you did cuff him last year you wasted the pick because he played the whole year obviously now he's gonna miss time it's easy to look at the results and you know People are split on whether you should cuff the running back or not, and you can't cuff everyone. So uh, Goldman obviously will step in there. So, look, if you're a Barkley owner, it sucks. Trust me, I know. I have Barkley in a 14-team league and an FFWC league, which is 12 teams, 20 rounds. There's not much out there. So you do the best you can. Uh, Obviously, if you're in a league with trades, you can try and figure that out. If you don't have a league with trades, you just, you know, try and patch the hole for the next several weeks. It doesn't mean your season is over. You know, never give up, never quit, no matter how bleak it looks. I have some teams right now that just are littered with injuries, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep working at it, and you're going to have to make some tough decisions. You might have to cut some players, and this is where on the other side, I've always said this, look at the drops. There's going to be a team that has like four or five injuries, and they have to cut someone that's pretty good just because they need to have an active roster because we do have the bye weeks coming up starting 
in week four. So always look at the drops. All right, we'll return. We'll have more injury news and go over some of the top performances and what it means for your fantasy team going forward here on Full-Time Fantasy. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Monday afternoon. Recapping week three, letting you know the big storylines you need to know and what fantasy performances are concerning as we have some more data here still early in the year. But, hey, fantasy season is short. and We have no time for patience, man, especially if you're 0-3. Or one and two, and we're hoping to dig you out of that. Hopefully you're not. But injuries are a big part of it, and sometimes you have bad luck. I mean, you could have Barkley, Tyreek Hill, a couple guys injured, and all of a sudden you're, you know, looking at a tough road to overcome. It happens to everyone in fantasy throughout the years. Uh, But make sure you check us out, fulltimefantasy.com. Use the promo code RONIS50 to get your first two months for the price of one, any specific questions you have, you can ask them on the message boards and forums anytime you want. We'll have a ton of articles coming out throughout the week to help you get prepared. Uh, the Fab Guide will be up tomorrow. I'll have my Wave of Wire article up on si.com slash fantasy tomorrow as well. Some news here as Bengals head coach Zach Taylor said, we don't expect A.J. Green to practice this week. Uh, I think this is not surprising. You know, I warned people to be cautious of A.J. Green uh, in the preseason when drafting. I've only taken A.J. Green in one league, and the only reason why I did was it was round nine. Now, it was a super flex league, so obviously it's going to push some players down the board with the quarterbacks going early, and we had IR spots. Now my team's in trouble in that league, so uh, by the time A.J. Green comes back, I don't even know where I am, but points do matter in that league. I I don't even think I have a... a ton of points either so I've had issues in that league at the quarterback position but that was the risk you know I saw people taking AJ Green in the fifth sixth round and you know it's a lesson there are going to be times that you get bargains on players with injuries they will return earlier than expected but most times if you say you know what the player is injured going into the year and you fade that injury optimism you're going to be on top now maybe AJ Green comes back in week five and tears it up the rest of the year but where are you in week five? If you're 0-4, 1-3 at a low amount of points, it doesn't help you as much. Now, if you were fortunate enough to maybe make a waiver wire pickup at a wide receiver position or you just hit on all your receivers and A.J. Green is a nice luxury for you, fine. But we have to look at it and know that most of the time that's not going to be the case. Look how many injuries we've had already. You're going to be hit with injuries at some point. If you aren't by now, you're really lucky. And it means you probably only play in one league. Because if you play in multiple leagues, you've hit, been hit with injuries at some point. And that's the risk that what happens when you take a guy like A.J. Green. So, again, we don't know the timetable for his return. But we do know he's not going to practice this week. And he certainly won't be back for week four. And even week five is looking a little bit dicey at this point. So, uh, I think there's definitely concern there uh, for A.J. Green. So they did. he did say, Zach Taylor said, that Green is turning in the right direction and progressing. Okay, great. But we know he's not going to play this week. So uh, really doesn't help us much in fantasy right now. 
Doug Peterson is optimistic that Alshon Jeffrey will be ready for week four. Remember, the Eagles play Thursday night against the Packers, so it's a short week, and they are going on the road to Lambeau Field. So uh, big game here for the Eagles, who are 1-2. and two. Packers are 3-0. and oh. So it looks like Alshon Jeffrey could play. Doesn't sound like Deshaun Jackson will as he's dealing with that abdominal injury. So uh, going to be interesting to see what happens there with those Phillies receivers, as we saw Nelson Aguilar have a big, big day. Um, a court, Jalen Ramsey told the Jacksonville team that he's unable to practice today with an illness. So uh, we'll see. We know he still has requested a trade. Obviously, they had a big, big win last week on Thursday night. So uh, we'll see what happens with Ramsey. But he won't be practicing as he uh, is sick uh, for now. So uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, some of the big takeaways from yesterday. Brown's offense, man. It's a problem right now. Don't like what I'm seeing. And the offensive line is a major issue right now. And the play calling is not helping at all. I mean, if you watch that game last night against the Rams, you saw that a lot of times they're having guys go 20, 30 yards down the field. You can't do that when your quarterback has no time to throw. And you'd expect the coaches to make an adjustment. But, man, uh, it's not good right now. Uh, we just have not gotten good games from Baker Mayfield, who people were taking as a top-five quarterback in I don't have Baker Mayfield anywhere. I was willing to take him, you know, in the FFWC where the quarterbacks fall. If he was there around 9 or 10, I would consider him, but always wound up getting sniped. But this is not what you expected. And this was the concern I had about the Browns going into the year. A lot of pressure on this team, a lot of hype, and they have offensive line issues, which we saw in the preseason. Baker Mayfield, 18 of 36, 195 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick. He was sacked three times, 5.4 yards per attempt. It's, it's not good right now. For this team, uh, if you're a Nick Chubb owner, you're happy because at least he's getting the volume. He saw 27 touches in this game, 23 carries for 96 yards and four receptions for 35 yards on seven targets. That is the big thing we needed to see because we have seen him get pulled on third downs at times. It was a tough Rams defense, so you do take that into account. But this is not what you expected to see from Baker Mayfield for where you drafted him. It's just not happening right now. You know, we did see Freddie Kitchens take over last year. And uh, Baker was good. I mean, he had a really strong finish to the season. But it is not working right now. And there's turnovers. There's a lack of touchdowns. And it's something that needs to change. We all knew that the offensive line was a problem. Yeah, they've lost David Njoku, who's on injured reserve with the broken wrist. No Antonio Callaway because of the suspension. Rashard Higgins injured again. I thought he might have been a sneaky start had he was active, but he was out with the knee injury. So that you know, there's not much on this offense right now as far as weapons, but the play calling has got to get better. So uh, they play the Ravens this week. I don't know if it's going to get much better, but certainly not what you like to see there. You know, Odell Beckham at six for fifty-six on nine targets, but it seemed like they were not even looking for him late in the game. On the Rams side, it was a slow start, and Jared Goff had a bad interception late. Uh, but he had a respectable line here. You expected more, though. The Browns' entire secondary was out in this game. They were really banged up. And Goff had 269, two touchdowns, two picks. So, solid, but it could have been a way bigger day. You know, I mentioned at the beginning of the year that I was very concerned about Todd Gurley. Now, we didn't see Malcolm Brown do much in this game. Brown only had three carries for seven yards and one target for no receptions. But Gurley just doesn't, he's not the same player. Uh, I know there's been times this year where he's looked fine, but to me, he looks like a guy that 
really can't get anything on his own. If there's yards there, blocked by the offensive line, he'll get it. But he doesn't seem like he's going to be breaking a ton of tackles and making these dynamic runs. And they're obviously being real cautious with him. But the biggest concern with Gurley is the lack of involvement in the passing game. That's the one thing I think the people who are pro-Gurley were saying, well, even if his snaps get cut, he's still going to be a big part of the pass game and he'll get red zone looks. And that's not happened. You know, Gurley averaged 3.1 yards per carry yesterday, 14 for 43, one target. That's a problem. If you're not going to get all these touchdowns, if you're not going to get the huge volume, you need at least, you know, some receptions to raise the floor each week. And we're just not seeing it with Gurley right now. So definitely a concern. But look, the warning signs were there. Now, he's averaging 4.6 yards per carry, which is great. But, man, the receiving? I mean, you're, if you don't own Gurley, maybe you don't realize this. And if you don't look at stats all the time, Todd Gurley so far this year, through three games, four receptions for eight yards. That is a major, major problem if you have Todd Gurley right now. And then you don't even know uh, about the goal line. I mean, he has one touchdown in three games. So they clearly are watching his workload. You know, 14 touches yesterday. They'd have 19 in week two, and then in week one, 15. So we knew we're not getting the guy with 20 to 25. And a lot of people were happy with the 15 to 18 touches, but there's no touchdowns here, and there's a lack of involvement in the pass game, and it's a problem. Cooper Cup, what we talked about in the first hour, man, this guy looks phenomenal. Oh, my goodness. If you took him, you're feeling great. And, again, a lot of the reports in August were, hey, he's fine. He's running well. He's running faster. He looks good. And sometimes those reports turn out to be accurate. They certainly are with Cooper Cup. 12 targets, 11 receptions for 102 yards, and two touchdowns. And you saw how that offense was not the same without him there last year. Cooks came away with a good game, 8 for 112, and Robert Woods had 3 for 40. So, you know, there's going to be weeks where one of those guys doesn't come through. This week it was Robert Woods. Lots more to talk about ahead, including the Giants change at quarterback, what it did for the offense. We'll talk about that next. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Back here, you're listening to Full-Time Fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rohn is here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Monday afternoon recap in week three. Don't forget, check me out, fulltimefantasy.com. Any questions you have, ask them on the message boards and forums, and we will get back to you with an answer to help you win. Become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament NFL setting their lineup using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer or join the countless number of people who have won thousands of dollars each week playing DFS using DailyRoto.com. You can take down $100,000 entering a DFS lineup in tonight's Monday night game using the Daily Roto Optimizer that's already happened on a single game slate this season. If you are playing Daily Fantasy Sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL Annual Pass with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Recapping the action from week three. And, of course, all eyes were on the Giants yesterday. 
to see how Daniel Jones would perform in his first start in his career, and it went well. 23 of 36, 336 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, did fumble twice, uh, also had uh, five, take five sacks, but four carries for 28 yards, two rushing touchdowns, so he came through, and you know, we'll see. The schedule gets a little bit tougher. You know, Next week, Redskins shouldn't be too bad, then the Vikings and the Patriots, but certainly a change that the Giants had to make to give Jones a shot. It was not going to change with Eli Manning. So they needed to make a change. Probably should have done it at the beginning of the year, but they did pick up the $23 million option, and all of a sudden, Giants are now 1-2 and two with an opportunity to go 2-2 two and two with the Redskins next week. Of course, Saquon Barkley injured. That's a big loss there. Wayne Goldman had five carries for 13 yards and one target, so he didn't do much in this game after Barkley left as the Giants played from behind, went pretty pass-heavy. But, look, the biggest takeaway is you're happy with the skill position players for the Giants with Jones in there at quarterback. Evan Ingram going to be one of the top tight ends. You know, he might even, he might finish in the top three. Six receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown on eight targets. Sterling Shepard was back, and you feel good if you used him. Nine targets, seven receptions, 100 yards, and a touchdown. And Golden Tate will be back in week five. So one more game for his suspension. So certainly uh, good things there for the Giants. But let's see Jones against uh, some tougher competition. Buccaneers, just awful conservative play calling late in this game. There's no way they should have lost it. But here's the thing. Jameis Winston told you after week one to be patient. Uh, And even week two, that Thursday night game, a short week, the weather, they played from ahead. But I felt this was a game where they would take shots downfield, and they did early and then got conservative in the second half. But good matchup here for Winston. He took advantage of it. Thought he was a good DFS play as well. 380 passing yards, three touchdowns, and a pick for uh, Winston. Of course, Mike Evans with the big game. I hope people were not worried about Mike Evans. I don't think many were, but, you know, I love Chris Godwin, but Evans is is a guy that's going to get a ton of targets in this offense. Uh, 15 targets as they took advantage of the matchup here. Mike Evans goes off eight for 190 and three touchdowns. What a week for Mike Evans. And obviously, Chris Godwin was quiet, just four targets, three for 40. So not what you wanted here in this matchup, but Godwin will be be fine. He's still going to get a ton of targets. And at least... There was some hope for O.J. Howard here. He did get four targets, three for 66. You're not ecstatic. You're not doing victory laps. But, hey, to get 9.9 out of your tight end in today's climate, you'll take it. Uh, You know, it's not what Darren Waller gave you or some of the other tight ends. But uh, considering the state of the position, I think it's a step in the right direction for O.J. Howard. Uh, The Buccaneers' backfield is just a mess. Uh, You know, we talked about it before week two that Ronald Jones looked good. There was a report out that week that Ronald Jones was going to see more touches. It didn't happen. It was all Peyton Barber that game against the Panthers. I think he had 23 carries that game, and Ronald Jones barely involved. He did take a hit that game and left. But this week it was more of a split. Look, Ronald Jones has looked better than Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber is just a, a mediocre running back. But the problem is they're basically splitting right now, or it's changing on a week-to-week basis. So I think you can have Ronald Jones on the roster, but I don't – know how you can start him right now. Uh, Again, 14 carries for 80 yards. That's 5.7 yards. And he had one reception for 41 yards. So I think it's kind of clear that they should give him more opportunity. I don't know if they're going to do it. Peyton Barber had 13 carries for 48 yards and two receptions for seven yards. He's just not a dynamic back. It's all volume-based. And even that game against the Panthers in Week 2, he needed a ton of carries and a touchdown just to come through. So I wouldn't start him at all. Uh, and Ogbenwale obviously is kind of more of the passing down back. 
So I, I thought he had an opportunity here to maybe grow into a bigger role, but it doesn't look like it's happened. He did have three receptions for 23 yards, but it's it's going to take an injury for uh, Barber or Jones to be out before we can really gain any semblance of uh, him doing anything there. Seahawks and Saints. One of the issues to watch here is the backfield. Chris Carson. Well, people were asking me about him last week. I'm like, ah, it's you know not a big deal yet, you know, because in week two they had a big fourth and one. And they gave Carson the ball to seal the game. But Chris Carson has, has a fumbling issue now. That's three straight games that he lost the fumble. And the lost fumble against the Saints led directly to a defensive touchdown. And it just sucked if you're a Rashard Penny owner because this was the prime spot for Penny to go in. And I was going to start Penny in a deep league this week. And then he had the hamstring issue, I believe, in the Friday walkthrough is when it popped up. So we kind of knew he wasn't going to play, and that really sucks. You talk about bad timing because Rashad Penny would have been fed the football in this game. Now, they did play from behind, so they had to pass a lot, and this is what I talked about before the year with Seattle. I didn't think their defense was as good as it was. Now, we all said that last year, and they were a little bit better, but they've lost a lot, and I know one was a pick six for the Saints touchdown. The other was a punt return as the Saints offense was pretty conservative on the Teddy Bridgewater. But the key for Russell Wilson is if that defense is not going to be good, it's going to force him to pass more. And if you are a Russell Wilson owner in fantasy, you want that. I mean, if you knew Russell Wilson, now, this is not going to happen every week. He had 50 pass attempts. But if we knew Russell Wilson was going to put up 35, even 35 pass attempts, because we didn't get that last year, you're going to want to play him. Now, when they are able to impose their will and run the football, and not give up points, it's going to be a rough week for Russell Wilson. But this was Russell Wilson playing from behind, and boy, did he have a big game. 406 passing yards, two touchdowns, seven carries for 51 yards and two rushing touchdowns. But Chris Carson, 15 carries, 53 yards, one catch for negative two yards. But we saw C.J. Proseis play 55% of the snaps. Chris Carson, 44%. Proseis only had four carries for five yards. I don't, I don't think they want to give him a ton of carries, and they were also playing for five. But Proseis did have five receptions for 38 yards on five targets. And they play Arizona next week, man. So, big week for Rashard Penny, man. Because if he can get in there, uh, he could have a big game. So, that's something to keep an eye on. And, you know, in deeper formats, you're probably adding pro size just in case. Because what if they start Carson and he has another big fumble next week? Something to keep an eye on. After week one, people were concerned about Tyler Lockett. Didn't do much. Boy, he's been the last two weeks, and that's why we like Tyler Lockett a lot going the year, because you knew the volume was going up. No matter how conservative they are, they don't have many pieces in this passing game. And in a game like yesterday where Russell Wilson has to throw, that's big for Tyler Lockett. 11 for 154 and a touchdown on 14 targets. DK Metcalf hasn't been very efficient. Uh, he had a big play downfield for 54 yards, six targets, two for 67. So a lot of weeks I think you could start him. You'd expect better in a game where Russell Wilson attempted 50 passes. And Will Disley, 6 for 62 and a touchdown on seven targets. The touchdown did come as time expired. But next week, Will Disley gets the Arizona Cardinals, who have been absolutely shredded by tight ends. They have allowed T.J. Hawkinson and Mark Andrews to go over 100 receiving yards, and they allowed Greg Olson to score two touchdowns yesterday. So definitely uh, a good matchup coming next week. Patriots, as we expected, took care of the Jets with ease. But there are a couple of concerns here. Sony Michelle, man, he has not looked good this year. He's not breaking tackles. 
he had nine carries for 11 yards. Salvage the day with a touchdown. This was a game you expected Sonny Michelle to have 15, 20 carries. James White was out due to the birth of his kid. And uh, this is not what you wanted to see from Sonny Michelle. And I, the reason why I didn't like Michelle going to the year is because he's not involved in the passing game. You know, I pretty much play in PPR leagues. Maybe there's one halfway PPR. But, you know, Michelle is so reliant on touchdowns. And you could tell me, well, the Chiefs offense, I mean, the Patriots offense is great. He's going to have plenty of opportunities to score. I don't think we saw Rex Burkhead involved this much going into the year. I don't think people saw that coming. And I think a lot of people say, well, this is the Patriots backfield. Uh, we know Burkhead's a good player. And we knew yesterday he was going to see more. I did use him on DraftKings at 3,900, thinking, all right, they'd be up big, and Burkhead gets a lot of touches in the second half. Uh, he did come through with a touchdown, 11 for 47 on the ground with a touchdown, and six receptions for 22 yards. Sony Michelle had one target, didn't catch it. So there's got to be some concern here with Sony Michelle. Then James White will be back. So he's just a ri- you just don't know what you're going to get from him every week. So that's the problem I have there. As far as the receivers, uh, Edelman was having a big day, left early. He had 7 for 62 and a touchdown on 10 targets. And again, in case you missed it, uh, X-rays on the chest came back clean, so he might not miss any time at all. Josh Gordon obviously gets a big boost here with Antonio Brown gone, 6 for 83 and 11 targets. He did have a bad drop in this one. And Philip Dorsett has some value now. Look, he's been good for the Patriots. So I know a lot of people might have picked him up this past week, especially after the Antonio Brown news. He had 7 targets in this one, 6 for 53 and a touchdown in this one. Uh, as far as the Jets, we said, look, uh, they have a bye this week, thank goodness, because if you did start Le'Veon Bell, not what you wanted, 18 carries, 35 yards, four receptions for 28 yards. To me, no one else in the Jets was startable at this point, but they do have a bye, and we'll see if Sam Donald comes back. There's some indication that he could be good to go in week five against the Eagles, and we know the Eagles are really weak in the secondary and against the pass, so maybe you can go back using some of your jets especially with sam donald there but uh we'll see because there's no lock that he's going to be back for week five when we return we'll continue to run through some of the big storylines from week three what it means for your fantasy team as all of a sudden the bills are three nil how did they get it done and where does their fantasy value lie going forward i'll let you know next it is full-time fantasy here on the fantasy sports radio network Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Back here, it is full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rohn is here until 4 p.m. Eastern on Monday afternoon. Don't forget, check me out, fulltimefantasy.com. We have you covered there. Several articles every day to help you make the waiver wire pickups you need. Stockwatch, start sit, and a lot more, including DFS, optimizer, write-ups as well. And if you have any questions, always ask them on the message boards and forums. We will get back to you as soon as we can. The promo code RONIS50 gets your first two months for the price of one. Taking a look at some of the action from week three. Uh, the Bills, they are now 3-0. and uh, Josh Allen, I expected better from him. He's going to be a little erratic. He's going to miss throws. We know that. He did have 243 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. I did expect more. This Bengals defense has been very vulnerable to the pass. Of course, Allen always presents the high floor because of what he does on the ground. So he had nine carries for 46 yards. We knew Frank Gore was in a good spot here. 
Bengals not good against the run. Devin Singletary was out with the hamstring injury. And Gore had 14 carries, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Also added two receptions for 13 yards. Tough matchup next week against New England. Don't think I'm going to play him there. We'll see if Singletary is back. Uh, but Gore, to me, is not someone that you can rely on long term. It's basically depending on matchup and, you know, who is uh, on the field. We did see T.J. Eldon get involved. He carries 30 yards and two receptions for 19 yards. Dawson Knox, three for 67 and a touchdown on four targets. So the rookie tight end finds the end zone. Uh, again, you expected more from John Brown. I mean, respectable, four for 51 on five targets. But this was a matchup he should have exploited a little bit more. And Cole Beasley just getting the volume, eight for 48. Again, more of a deep league play. Don't love him uh, for sure. On the Bengals side, look, Joe Mixon, it's been frustrating because of the offensive line. But if you did use him, he did come through with two receptions, 34 yards, did find the end zone on a catch. And at 15 for 61, you're pretty much going to use him. Tyler Boyd, 11 targets, 6 for 67. Joe Ross, uh, John Ross here with a bad, some drops. And, you know, this is going to be inconsistent. You know, you spent a lot of fab on him in week one. You knew that there was going to be some ups and downs. Uh, Six targets, 2 for 22. uh, Tough matchup here against the Bills. We talked about it last week that Matt LaFleur came out and said, yeah, Aaron Jones touched the ball a little bit too much in week two. And we're going to make it more of an even split. Uh, it was not an even split. It was more tilted in the direction of Jamal Williams, which you hate to see. Now, if you are an Aaron Jones owner, you got bailed out because he did score two rushing touchdowns. But you hate to see this here. Uh, Jones had 10 carries for 19 yards. Again, the two rushing touchdowns, one reception for four yards. Jamal Williams, 12 for 59 on the ground and two for 27. So this is not the shift that you wanted. Jamal Williams played 33 snaps. Aaron Jones played 21. So you hate seeing this, man. I mean, Aaron Jones is a better running back. And again, you got bailed out with the touchdown for sure. But I think, you know, you are uh, certainly happy that he got the touchdowns. But, man, this is just uh, not what you want to see. Uh, on the other hand, you did see some positive things with carry on Johnson, even though the results were not there you did see heavy volume, and that's what we wanted to see with um, with uh, on Johnson. He had 80% of their running back carries. He had 20 carries, and he played 77% of the snaps. So that's certainly a good sign there if you are uh, you know, looking uh, to uh, have some hope for on Johnson, and this is the first game without C.J. Anderson. We did see uh, T.J. Uh, Ty Johnson get involved a lot more this week, but not enough to take away from um, carry on Johnson. So it was a tough matchup. So you knew on the ground against Philly that you weren't expecting a huge day from carry on Johnson. So at least the volume was there and you just have to hope that it can continue going forward. Uh, Patriots, man, uh, as we went back to a Rex Burke, Rex Burke had played 56%, 56 snaps. Sony Michelle, 17, Brandon Bolden, 21. I, I don't know what's going on with Sony Michelle, but as we said, uh, Something to uh, keep an eye on for sure because I think Sony Michelle owners, especially in this matchup, expected a lot more. On the Green Bay side, you know, Aaron Rodgers really hasn't had to do much. They've been pretty conservative. You know, we saw it at week two. They opened a 21 nothing lead early against the Vikings and then kind of scaled it back. I don't think they scored the rest of the game. And Aaron Rodgers, 29 pass attempts, 235 yards, one touchdown against Denver uh, as they played from ahead in this game. And that was the concern about Rodgers this year. You know, the offense and 
you know, they've obviously shifted a little bit more towards the run, and it's hurt Aaron Rodgers' fantasy numbers. So you kind of need to see him in a game that's kind of back and forth. And maybe we get that this week. Maybe we get that Thursday night with Philly. Uh, Philly's offense can, you know, get something going because the Packers' defense is much improved. That's for sure. Uh, but we do know this after uh, a quiet week, too. Marquez Valdez-Scantling right back in there. He actually led this team in targets with 10. Six for 99 and a touchdown after Geronimo Allison scored in week two. But Allison, three targets, one for minus one yard. So it's really tough. I don't think you could start him right now. Uh, there's not a, This Packers offense has not shown the ability to support that many receivers right now. It's basically Valdez-Scantling and Devontae Adams, who twice now this year has – hasn't reached double-digit points in PPR formats when he did it in all 16 games last year. I think Adams will be fine. You know, it was 4 for 56, so it wasn't awful, but only four targets is a problem. I know Chris Harris was on him quite a bit, but I think it gets better for Devontae Adams. I think he's a guy that I would look to uh, buy low if his owner is panicking. He went in the first round of a lot of leagues. People expect big numbers. And look, here, here's the, the key right now if you're in a trading league. There's a lot of teams out there that are 0-3. They're kind of desperate at this point. If they have a Devontae Adams, they're frustrated. They're looking to get a win. They're looking to make change. Now, there are times where you can be 0-3, and I'll get a team, and I'll say, look, this team is good. You've had some bad luck, some underperformance, stay patient. Then you see other 0-3 teams, and you go, man, you got to do something. You got to shake it up because this team's not good enough, and you have to make some moves. So, you know, this is a good week where – you can look to trade. Now, some of those 0-3 teams might have a lot of points, and points matter in the playoff race. Although I've, I've gotten feedback from a lot of people who play in leagues where it's only the top six records. And again, I've said that uh, all preseason. Maybe you guys didn't listen or you're just joining. You can't have a playoff format with just the top six records. There's just too much random luck involved in the schedule. And anyone who has played fantasy football for a long time knows that. I'm sure there's people out there that have been the second or third highest scorer for the first three weeks, somehow play the highest score every week, and you're 0-3. And you might have the second most points in the league. Got to be rewarded for that. But again, this is a good time uh, to look at the rosters of the teams that are 0-3 and see if uh, there's some panic there because you might be able to pry away uh, a good player. Uh, for the Broncos, Philip Lindsay looked good in this game. It's so funny because I – wrote last week, like, kind of his stock was down. Now, the Broncos ran the ball a ton in this game. It's still a split between these two backs. And Royce Freeman has been solid. Royce Freeman had a touchdown taken away due to a penalty, and he did leave this game for a little bit with a shoulder injury. So it's still essentially a 50-50 split. The pro- and, and they're not going to get these touches every week. So Lindsey had 25, and Freeman had 19. And again, I think part of that is Freeman left the game. Uh, Lindsey still only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. He had two touchdowns, which kind of salvaged his day. And he did look good on one of the touchdown runs. It looks like he was going to be tackled, and, you know, he broke free. Lindsey had four for 49 and five targets, but Freeman continues to be involved in the pass game now. That was one thing from last year we didn't see. It's two weeks in a row now that he's been getting the targets. So he had five targets in this game, four catches for 10 yards. So it's still a split. I know Lindsey owners are going to feel great after this week, but... You know, it was boosted by two touchdowns. And again, Freeman had a rushing touchdown taken back due to a penalty. So I still think this is a split for sure as uh, Flacco just didn't put the ball in the air much in this game. And just when you were feeling great about Emmanuel Sanders, two for 10 on four targets. Look, he's looked good. 
I think the Broncos have got to figure out a way to get the football in his hands because he's been phenomenal. Uh, this was a tough matchup. So, you know, Sanders certainly first two weeks was excellent, and I, I'm not worried about him. Really worried more about the offense in general. And Cortland Sutton had five for 87 on eight targets. Uh, as the Broncos now 0-3, they do not have a takeaway, uh, which is kind of hard to believe. You know, it's hard to win in the NFL when you're not getting takeaways on the defensive side. Of course, the big game, Chiefs beating the Ravens 33-28. You know, Pat Mahomes just <laughs> continues to shred the league. And I tweeted out last week, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is not going to match last season's numbers. He's going to exceed it. And it's unbelievable. And those that took him early are feeling great right now because it doesn't seem like anyone could slow this team down. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. I'll have a bad game, but boy, Mahomes just lighting it up right now. 374 passing yards and three touchdowns. The backfield is something to keep an eye on. Uh, LaShawn McCoy came into this game with an ankle injury. We knew he would play, but he there was footage of him limping into the locker room before the game. And then there was a report saying that McCoy looked to be second or third based on the warm-ups that it looked like Darrell Williams was the starter. And I saw a lot of people took McCoy out of their lineups. And look, there's going, this is going to happen. A lot of times it's kind of a gut call. You know, you see that information and you go, oh, no. Look, I can understand the McCoy owner making that decision. And I, I don't have McCoy, so I can't give you an example of me. I know someone on the message board asked about McCoy. They was like, I have a McCoy dilemma in two leagues. But the options they gave me weren't any good. So, and that was before that report. I don't, maybe I react differently if I see that report. You know, we all see that. But you had to figure if he's active, he's going to be involved. But look, it's an ankle injury and you saw the way he looked. So I can understand if you wanted to be cautious to pivot elsewhere. And it depends what you have. And then you look and you kick yourself because McCoy had a good game. Eight carries, 54 yards and a touchdown and three for 26 and a touchdown. So it sucks that you lost that production, knowing that Damian Williams was out. But what if McCoy left in the first quarter with that ankle? Then you think you made the right decision. So you look, it's a tough call, and we're faced with tough calls every week. No one is ever going to get everyone right. We sit here on Mondays and regret those decisions. You have to brush it off and move on. And you just learn from it. And you look back and you say, did you make a mistake? I don't know because you see that report, and it doesn't look good. But I think the bottom line was, hey, he's active. He's on the field. You go with him in a great offense. I know the weather was somewhat of a concern, but that was clearly overblown. It, it rained, but not that bad. The weather usually gets overrated. Be very don't most of the time don't make a decision on the weather unless the winds are thirty to thirty-five miles per hour. Otherwise, it's usually not a big deal. Uh, but Darrell Williams nine carries, sixty-two yards, and five receptions for forty-seven yards. So he looked good in this game, and clearly. He's ahead of Darwin Thompson. Coaching staff trusts him more right now. And yeah, Darwin Thompson was kind of a desperation play for some people. And maybe you put him in there. And at least you know now, hey, he is not the preferred back here for this coaching staff. Four carries, eight yards for Darwin, and no targets. Now, we'll have to see the status of Damian Williams for this week. He didn't play. And the Sean McCoy left late in the third quarter. He wasn't there at all in the fourth quarter with the ankle issue. Andy Reid said it's not a big deal. We'll see. You know, it could swell up. So we'll have to see the practice reports. That's why if you have Darwin Thompson, I don't think I drop yet in a deep format. If there's a better option out there in a the shallow league, then sure. But this this might be a week where maybe Williams and McCoy are out. And yes, it looks like Williams will be the lead. But Thompson will get some touches. And maybe he impresses and his role grows. As far as the receivers, 
Look, uh, McCole Harwood and Demarcus Robinson, they're, as long as Tyreek Hill's out in this offense, I think you start them. It's going to come down to tough choices if you have really good receivers. Hardman's, basically, it was one play, 83-yard touchdown, two for 97 and a touch on five targets. Demarcus Robinson, three for 43, a touchdown and four targets. But it's this offense. So if you're looking for tiebreakers, you take those players in this offense because you know they're capable of breaking big scores every week. And Sammy Watkins, again, not what you wanted. Five for 64, eight targets. You'll take that. But it looks like Robinson and Harbin are the more explosive players. They're getting those downfield targets that are leading to touchdowns. But Watkins still someone that you can start and is valuable as long as uh, Tyreek Hill is out. Could change when Hill is back. And he might not miss that much more time. We'll come back hitting more of the storylines and any news as we wrap it up. It is full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis wrapping it up here on a Monday afternoon. Again, check me out, fulltimefantasy.com. Use the promo code RONIS50. Get your first two months for the price of one. Any questions you have, ask them on the message boards and forums, and we will answer them and lead you to a winning season. Uh, Falcons running back Ido Smith is in concussion protocol. He played three snaps yesterday, left the game. So, obviously, Devonta Freeman played a lot of snaps, and he looked better. That was one of the things. I think someone asked me a question on the message board about Devonta Freeman. I forgot who the other player was. But I said, give Freeman another week. He had the first two weeks, he had tough matchups against the Vikings and Eagles. It was a better matchup against the Colts, and he did perform better. They obviously played from behind, so they had to abandon the run a little bit. But he certainly put up more respectable numbers this week. And clearly with no Edo Smith, they kind of had to give him that workload because they only had two, uh, I believe, I think they only had two active running backs uh, on the roster. They didn't hand it off to anyone else. Freeman had 16 for 88, three for seven in the past game. So you expected more there. Uh, But obviously we'll have to wait and see if Edo Smith can return this week. But he is in concussion protocol. And if he can't go, uh, either Brian Hill or Quadri Allison will probably be active. because uh, they were inactive in week three as they have not been using them, going with two running backs there. Uh, The Cowboys were a little bit of a disappointment yesterday. I mean, if you took them to cover the spread, they did. Thank goodness they did. I had the Cowboys covering the spread as part of a three-team parlay, and it cashed out. I was waiting for the Cowboys, so thank you, Dallas. It's my team. Uh, Zeke Elliott, 19 for 125. Okay, two for 14, but no touchdown. Dak Prescott, you know, he, he had a good day. He had the rushing touchdown, 246 and two touchdowns. But the Cowboys came out flat in this one in the first half. They didn't look good. They picked it up in the second half. Amari Cooper, look, before the year, we saw reports from doctors that said, hey, he's going to be fine. Don't worry about this plantar fasciitis or whatever this heel injury was, that they can manage it. Hopefully, you heeded that uh, and drafted Amari Cooper. Six for 88 and two touchdowns and seven targets. And, you know, I just felt like Amari Cooper – Going with a better quarterback was going to have a better year. I've never been a huge Amari Cooper fan. It seemed like he got shut down against top corners, but he seems to have life with the Cowboys uh, as he's their go-to guy. So another big game for him. Obviously, Randall Cobb and Devin Smith, a little bit of a disappointment. But the Cowboys do get the win. They're 3-0, and they'll play in New Orleans Sunday night. That's the Sunday night game next week. That wraps it up here. In the meantime, again, head on over to FullTimeFantasy.com if you have any questions. I'll be back Tuesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have a great day.